0: Hello everyone and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, July 15th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I am a senior writer at SlashFilm.com and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film News Editor, Y-Tren Bui.
1: Hey, everyone. I haven't done that greeting in a while, I just realized.
0: Yeah, it's been busy. You've been busy here, HC. like, uh, you know, moving up in your your, uh, promoted role and everything. So I'm excited to have you back on the podcast today. Um, So why don't we talk a little bit about – there's not too much news here, but let's talk a little bit about the Emmy nominations that came out earlier this week. Um, We don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but just in case people have not – you know, followed that and may be interested once you hit us with like some of the, the highlights of the um, shows and things like that, that, uh, that picked up the most nominations.
1: Yeah, it was dominance of the streaming services at this year's Emmy Award nominations. Uh, the Crown and The Mandalorian were the leading nominees with 24 nods each wandavision was huge too with 23 nominations so it's uh it's big for for historical dramas and for genre shows apparently and i, I have the feeling this is my own theory like the kind of separate from the speculation that has been going on is that emmys the emmys have been chasing that game of thrones high for the past couple years mm-hmm. and they have been attempting to capture that with the Mandalorian, and now with Wandavision, uh, Wandavision being a slightly better show for that, but still, it's just kind <laughs> of it's, it's just it's a very interesting sort of a crossroads that the Emmys have found themselves at this year.
0: Yeah, totally. And you know, one of the other big stories of the night, I guess, was that Ted Lasso locked down twenty nominations, which I think is the first time a uh, a freshman show has ever been nominated that many times. Um, If you look at the uh, like the supporting actor uh, category, for example, there's just like a ton of people from Ted Lasso in there, um, which was surprising even to me, even as somebody who really loves that show. So, um, twenty
1: nominations is incredible. I haven't seen it yet, but I know that you and everyone. I know, love it. Yeah, um, but yeah, love Craft Country also. Even though it was recently canceled, uh, got 18 nominations, and of course, Handmaid's Tale earned 11 nods uh, as the sort of ongoing favorite. Yeah, ongoing it's like darling. a veteran now.
0: Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, all right, so yeah, if you guys want to know more about that, you know, obviously we'll link to the the article in the show notes, and it goes into more detail with um, all of the. The major nominees and everything but um we mentioned WandaVision like you said that that was the uh I guess the number two in uh, in terms of shows that had total nominations uh this year and the director of WandaVision is named Matt Shackman and he just had uh I guess yesterday yes I think this news came out yesterday um that uh, he just had a, an interesting project uh sort of come across his desk that he has signed on to HT hey, tell me about that one
1: yeah, Matt Shackman has been tapped to direct the next Star Trek movie under Bad Robot Productions and Paramount Pictures. Uh, the new Star Trek film it already has a script by Lindsay Beer and Geneva Robertson. And now Matt Shackman will be behind the helm to direct. Uh, and this will be the first Star Trek movie since Star Trek Beyond, which was a full half decade ago now. And um, the The first sort of main one, apart from those those other projects floating around, like the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie that will probably not happen, as well Mm -hmm. as the um, uh, Noah Hawley. Was it Star Star Trek?
0: Oh, the Noah Hawley one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think there was talk of a of a Star Trek four that was like going to reunite Chris Hemsworth with Chris Pine as well in there. Mm -hmm. There's just been like a lot of talk about a bunch of different Star Trek projects over the years, but um, I don't think we have any full confirmation yet that this new movie is going to bring back the the chris pine crew i think there was some some back and forth uh about that and i, I think what everybody settled on is that it's it's still like nobody's signed on quite yet mm-hmm. um but I, I wanted to ask you hc because i know that you're doing the tracking with time and Sp- i'm sorry tracking through time and space uh podcast with jacob that, that covers star trek and doctor who so um with a new star trek movie being announced here and and a director actually signing on and it's sort of seeming like maybe this one is actually going to happen. What do you think about Matt Shackman as a director of a Star Trek film?
1: I'm intrigued. I liked his direction in WandaVision. I think that he really committed to the bit, if that makes sense, because WandaVision was all about that homage to the separate, the distinctive eras in sitcom history. And he obviously has a real passion and care for those things. So Mm -hmm. I feel like he is able to like distinguish himself uh, in some sort of visual capacity like uh, outside of just like that Marvel house style even though that's what WandaVision ended up falling to. Um, but I yeah it's too soon for me to tell exactly what his style is yet. It it um, I think there was some real good promise in those first two episodes when uh, we got some more like this visual flares outside of just the sitcom homaging style. So that was that was interesting, but I, it's hard to say like how he will be uh, behind a Star Trek movie, which is uh, even more action packed than Wandavision even was like later in, in the in its season. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. It's too early for me to say like what if I'm excited. yet. I don't really know what to expect yet
0: yeah i mean looking at uh some of his other tv work like i thought he handled uh drama and action really well when he directed game of thrones and then um he's done a bunch of it's always sunny in philadelphia episodes so he can handle the comedic side of things too and and the, at least the the chris pine era star trek films have had have always had like a an injection of of humor uh into them so um yeah i'm curious to see sort of what comes of this and like what exactly the take is going to be on this movie, because like we've said, there's been so many star Trek possibilities thrown around. Um, and you know, as the, uh, the shows sort of, uh, took over once again on, um, CBS all access, which is now paramount plus. So, uh, all right. So th- there's one thing here, um, this new story that, um, I'll be honest, I don't have a, a ton of familiarity with, but the, the, the uh, prospect the conceit of what's going on here is interesting and i think it'll be interesting to you too hd so there is a um a very famous fantasy series of books called wheel of time that was by an author named robert jordan and uh, amazon is actually developing wheel of time into a show they've been working on a show for several years at this point and uh we just learned this week that a movie that is sort of set in that same world has gotten a writer, basically Zach Stentz, who wrote uh, X Men: First Class and the first Thor movie and several other things, has been hired to write this film called Age of Legends, which is based on. Um, it's it's sort of like the uh, the fire and blood, the Targaryen dynasty story in uh, from George R. R. Martin, where it takes place like hundreds of years before the events of Game of Thrones. Um, it's a movie based on that, like an earlier period. Uh, than than what appears in any of these 14 books and this amazon show is still happening but we don't know what movie studio or what distributor is going to be working on this movie so it's like a weird thing where these two projects that are definitely in the same cinematic universe if you want to call it that are in development on parallel tracks but it's unclear you know who is making the movie and actually this is the first of three planned movies so i don't know if all of the movies are going to be taking place before the uh, wheel of time show sort of picks up because i know that the show is actually supposed to take place uh, and, and sort of cover the events that actually appear in those novels so this is sort of an unconventional thing ht do you have any thoughts on these parallel projects being in development at the same time
1: uh, well, I think it's interesting that fantasy is just sort of the the, the hot girl at school now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, like any, of many streaming services. I mean, it's all the post-Game of Thrones thing, right? Everyone wants their own big fantasy flagship show. Amazon is already pouring in tons of money for their Lord of the Rings project. And I think Wheel of Time, which is a franchise, a series that I unfortunately... I've never read, even though I heard a lot about it. I feel like maybe at some point when I was young, I had picked up one of the books, not realizing it was part of a series and maybe Mm -hmm. read one of them. But uh, reading up briefly on the Wikipedia page of it, it does sound really interesting, uh, the idea that it's a a blend of Eastern and European mythology. I think that's really cool. And that's something that could add a new twist on sort of that sword and and, um, sorcery type of genre that we are seeing of, Of fantasy on tv so yeah i i do think that the they're putting the cart before the horse a little bit and trying to get trying so hard for that big fantasy franchise that might be a little bit ill-advised but you know i'm i'm all for lesser known fantasy properties getting the green light um and more 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 things that aren't just ips you know more things that aren't just like Lord of the Rings reduxes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think, um, I mean, this this seems like it's a relatively well-known in the fantasy community. I bought the first book several years ago, but I've yet to crack it open. It's just sort of like sitting on my shelf and I've not gotten around to it yet. But the, the premise of, especially of this period, this Age of Legends period, which takes place, I think, millennia before the events of the books, sounds really interesting because it is uh, it, like the whole idea is that social status in this fictional world in this time was earned not by how much money you have, but by the amount of service that you perform and provide to humankind, which is kind of a a cool idea too. So, Mm. um, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I feel like this, you know, that there's... um, even though I haven't read this book yet or any of these books yet, it it sounds like an interesting world. So I'm I'm curious to see how this all shakes out. So, um, all right, let's transition into our last topic here, which is Indiana Jones five. There was, um, there've been a couple of new, um, I guess, developments in the, uh, the indie world. One of which is that Antonio Banderas has joined the movies. What do you, what do you think about that? I'm sure you're probably pretty excited.
1: I'm very excited. I love Antonio Banderas. I love him as an actor, as a performer, as a star. And, you know, he might say that's all the same things, but I think he's, he is all three in very different regards. That he just mm. feels he has that charisma, but he also has the talent to back it up. And I'm just really happy to see Antonio with like this really incredible second third whatever wave in his career uh, especially after having seen him give a career best performance in Pain and Glory. He was just phenomenal in that and doing more than just like uh, Zorro meets Puss in Boots. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But at the same time I'm happy to see him do the Zorro thing again and maybe now as a silver fox. So I, I think I'm just really excited to see him in any capacity he's just such a phenomenal phenomenal actor and such a state such a screen presence at that so exciting to see him maybe cross swords with either harrison ford or with thebe wallbridge whoever knows i would be i'm just excited to see that
0: yeah, there's a lot of secrecy about this movie still. Um, and, you know, th- there have been a bunch of set photos that came out today. So we wrote about those. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, I don't know if you have any comments, HT, on her costume, but she sort of has this um, this real cool, like, late 60s uh, vibe with this really deep burgundy jacket that she's sporting and everything. So did you have any any thoughts on her, uh, her look? Well, fashion
1: icon, obviously.
0: <laughs> All right, so... Oh, go ahead.
1: Uh, I was just gonna say, I just, I love it. I just very excited to see what what she does and what her role is in this movie, especially having seen her in that outfit. She looks great.
0: Yeah. So um, the the sort of '60s vibe of her clothing seems to track with what's going on in the story because uh, a lot of these photos, I think the the production is actually taking place in uh, Glasgow, if I'm not mistaken, but it's being made up to look like uh, Manhattan, circa 1969, and uh, some of the set photos show. Um, big signs and props and stuff that make it look like a big ticker tape parade is happening with a bunch of red, white, and blue signs that read, welcome back to earth and welcome back astronauts, which we are guessing means that this film at least partially is set in 1969 during the return from the Apollo 11 moon landing mission. So Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the, the previous Indiana Jones movie was set in 1957 and James Mangold, who's directing this film, previously said that all of the movies that he was working on, I think this, this was about a year ago, are set in 1960s New York City. So this this all sort of makes sense in terms of, you know, what is going on there. But HD, I'm just curious, you know, as a I know you're a fan of these uh, Indiana Jones movies, what do you think that um, Indy is chasing? There's always like a, you know, a thing, a MacGuffin that he's after. Um, do you think that the uh, space, the post-space race setting, that this idea of um, the moon landing uh, mission is going to factor in in any way to what Indy is on the hunt for in this movie.
1: Oh, I hope so. And I can't take cred- credit for this idea because this was Chris Evangelista's idea that he put in the Slack, and that it had something to do with. Um, Indiana Jones discovering that the moon landing was fake, that there's some great conspiracy involving NASA, because I think you said this in your in uh, your post, Ben, that Nazis actually had something to do with the the research and the funding for the space race. And mm-hmm. um, that is something that could factor into uh, Indy's whole mission or his task at hand, because, you know, he hates Nazis and <laughs> yes. some space Nazis now. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, so my last question to you, HD, is kind of a ridiculous one, but um, I think it is in keeping with what happened at the very end of Crystal Skull, which is the uh, spoilers for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull coming up. But that movie ends with the uh, the reveal that aliens are around and actually visited Earth and come in contact with Indy and a bunch of his uh, his pals at the end of that movie. Do you think that this moon landing thing is going to tie into aliens? Do you think the idea of aliens is going to track over into this movie at all?
1: You know what? That was actually my first thought. And I wonder if James Mangold is gutsy enough to do that because I'm sure he knows the the critical and fan backlash mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and the revelation of the aliens at that, which actually I don't think is that bad because I think that the whole alien subplot and like that whole narrative feels very in line with the pulp adventure fiction that the indiana jones movies pay homage to but that's a whole other conversation actually it's a conversation that chris and i had on his 21st century spielberg podcast if you guys Mm -hmm. want to check that episode out um but yeah i wonder if Mangold is gutsy enough to to lean into that especially knowing how unpopular that whole storyline was um but i wouldn't be surprised i mean yeah kind of have to right like that's the natural through line aliens and now the moon aliens on the moon
0: yeah i just don't like you know for indiana jones a character who has come face to face with aliens the idea of uh of astronauts returning from the moon must feel like not nearly as big of a deal and i wonder like if um you know if indy was one of those guys who tried to you know maybe didn't go quite as far as like a uh, Randy Quaid in Independence Day or something where like he's trying to tell the world that aliens actually exist and nobody believes him but um I I wonder as a you know an archaeologist somebody who clearly like values science and discovery and and all of that kind of stuff I wonder if he if there's some sort of through line here where he tried to uh to spread the word about what he saw and um and, and if that is going to yeah, be a, uh, sort of a carryover into this new movie. But I guess we have to wait until next summer to find out because this movie comes out on July 29th, 2022. So a lot more uh, discussion from us about uh, what we learn in Indie 5 coming up, I'm sure. So stay tuned for that. Aisha, um, why don't you tell people where they can find more of your stuff online?
1: Well, you can find me sometimes writing on slash film.com and mostly editing now. <laughs> I mean, I'm still reviewing, so that's a good thing. Um, and, you know, you can find me on Twitter at htranbui and same place on Instagram.
0: Awesome. You can find me writing at slashfilm.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at benpairs. And you can find more about all of the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.